All right, everybody, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to TTB Ravens Media on YouTube, bringing new Ravens content every single day. But if you're watching this on YouTube, you already see it. You see Joshua. So it's, of course, the Trust the Bank podcast. But you may also notice we've got a third person, you know, in our in your viewing sphere. So do you want to introduce yourself from the Purple Rain podcast? Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you so much um, just for having me on. It's your boy Sutton Death from the Purple Rain podcast. Listen, man. Uh, if you want to go ahead and check out our channel, you can go and type in Purple Rain Podcast. You know, we talk all Raven stuff. We talk NFL football. We also talk some MMA. So if you want to check that out, make sure you go ahead and check out Purple Rain Podcast. But big, big shout out to Trust the Bank Media. I've been watching these guys for a while, and I'm so glad that I can come on the show. Big shout out to them for having me on. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a lot of fun. I've been in your live streams, so, you know, that's a lot of fun. So make sure to go check out those. Everybody watching down below, I'll have a link to the channel um, down below. So Make sure to go check all that stuff out. But we've got a good show planned out for everybody. Um, you know, kind of the three segments we'll go through. Uh, we'll kind of play a bit of a game called Draft or Pass. I've got four players that um, have come, that I've thought of and also seen in mock drafts and whether or not we think the Ravens should draft on them or if they're available, should we pass on them? Um, then we'll get into kind of just an Eric DaCosta, what should he do next? You know, should he wait, you know, wait for the comp pick deadline? Uh, should he make a quick signing? Should he pull a quick trade? Um should he fire Greg Roman? The answer is yes. Um, and then we'll get into the third segment, um, basically, which is going to be a fun, you know, Ravens football segment talking about the most underrated players um, to play for Baltimore. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So you can either listen to that on the podcast platform, which will be right out uh, when you're listening to this on Sunday. Um, but otherwise, the three segments will be posted back to back to back each day at 5 p.m. But Let's get right into this first segment, uh, draft or pass. And basically what this is, is I have done a lot of mock drafts. I do mock draft Monday every time. And there's some players that I've liked that I've drafted. But then I also see some guys that, you know, whether it's Mel Kuyper or other people, you know, on the ESPN, the NFL.coms, and they're, they're giving us mock drafts and they have us taking players. And some of them I'm not a big fan of, but I got to know what you guys are thinking. Um, but the first player that we'll kind of go over is Kadarius Tony, wide receiver out of Florida. Um, I believe Mel Kuyper's first uh, mock draft had the Ravens taking Tony. I've seen a lot of mock drafts with the Ravens taking Tony. Um, 5'11", 189 pounds, you know, like I said, out of Florida. I, I, I just, I'm not a big fan of it just because he's small. I'm a height elitist um, right now with the wide receiver position, but... Joshua, what are your kind of thoughts? Would you be okay with drafting Tony, or are you out? Um, so I think pretty much two of our fastest wide receivers is under six foot with Devin DuVernay and, and Hollywood Brown. Um, and honestly, in our scheme of offense, he's going to get treated like how Tavon Austin's career has been going in the NFL. Tavon, Tavon, I love you. He's a Baltimore guy, one of the best, one of the best athletes to come out of. Uh, Baltimore, Maryland, with the Dunbar High School, West Virginia. Y'all know the story. Check them out on YouTube. Uh, best highlights in college history. But I would have to pass for the simple fact that he's too much of a dynamic player, yes. Um, and also, um, in the beginning of his University of Florida career, I think he had a problem where he missed a couple games at University of Florida because um, he wasn't uh, – being part of the Gator way, you can look it up, but I'm not. I'm not too sure. So I know how we are as an organization when it comes to problematic players. We're not going to really, you know, bite on that. Um, I mean, he's a fast guy. He's a very shifty guy. I mean, I definitely feel like if we was to bring him in, 
he will he will be a boost to our special teams. Um, but as far as the creativity for the offensive scheme, his career is not his career will probably be a bust playing with us if if, if Greg Roman doesn't put no creativity in the offensive playbook. You know, so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a pass on him. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I mean, for me, I would like to get this guy, but the pick that we would have to spend on him, I feel like we would probably be better suited spending that on somebody else and like a, a different position, honestly. Uh, that's just me, though. I mean, like you said, 5'11", 189 or 180, something like that that you said. That's not the the build the type of build a receiver that Ravens fans are really looking for right now, clamoring mm-hmm. for, and or what we don't think that the Ravens need. We, we think that we need like a big, tall possession type receiver, which I still feel like we do. Uh, but the problem about about you know drafting a Cardarius Tony is that we kind of already have receivers like him. You know, he would kind of be like a, a gadget guy, kind of like mm-hmm. serve the same kind of purpose that Devin Duvernay already serves. You know, so it's like, why stockpile those type of guys on our roster when we could be using those draft picks on things that we actually really need? Um, you know, maybe like edge or maybe like interior O line, right tackle, that sort of thing. So I just don't think the ends justify the means when it comes to Cardarius Tony. So I'm gonna be a pass. I'm a pass on him. Yeah. So all in agreement, um, Pat. And it's not that he's a bad prospect or whatever. You know, if he goes somewhere else, you know, he he can thrive. It's just, oh yeah, it's just with the Ravens. Greg Roman runs the ball a lot and has no creativity, um, and we we need size. Um, but getting into the next guy um, is a guy that I really, really fell in love with when I was doing mock drafts kind of in the, the late day two, round three, round four type of player, and that's Charles Snowden, um, a linebacker out of Virginia, plays outside linebacker in a, in a 3-4 scheme. Um, not not an edge rusher by any means. Um, more, you know, a run defender, athletic, um, can cover a little bit. But he's six foot six, two hundred thirty pounds. Just just a freak athlete um, that that showed, you know, with his length, he was able to get those tackles on the outside. Um, and in my opinion, I, I would absolutely love to draft him just because I see what he would bring to the Ravens is what it would be a better version of what um, honestly Matthew Judon was doing, because let's be realistic. Matthew Judon was not getting that type of pressure that we wanted from him, but he did set the edge. He did drop into coverage every once in a while. Charles Snowden would just be better in coverage, um, probably better at setting the edge worse in the pass rush game, but he wouldn't be the edge rusher. He'd be the weak side, um, you know, kind of gadget piece that you could sub in and out with a guy like a, a Tyus Bowser of sorts. But those are kind of my thoughts on Snowden. I'm really high on him. Um, he's probably the one that I'm the highest on of these four players. But what do you guys think about, you know, Charles Snowden out of Virginia? You can go ahead, Izzy. Yeah, man. I mean, honestly, when I was taking a look at some of his film and um, looking at, you know, some things in his draft profile, I really did like what I saw. I like the size. Um, I like the build a lot. But the only thing about it is that, you know, he is a little bit undersized for that position. And on a lot of different plays, like say if he's rushing the quarterback, I could see him getting totally taken out of the play by a premier left tackle, you know, or somebody like that or a left guard, whoever's going to be end up blocking him uh, coming around the outside. But I did see a lot of promise in terms of like his instincts, which I really do like a lot. Um, him playing in that 3-4 defense, he seems very comfortable, which is, you know, that's a defense that we play in a lot over in Baltimore for sure. So I'm kind of swaying both ways here. I feel like I would draft him if we can get him at the right time. 
you know. But for my official answer, I'm going to go ahead and say draft because I feel like we could turn somebody like him. You bring him, listen, man, you bring him into the Ravens organization with that athletic training program. You can bulk him up. You can get him exactly where he needs to be. And that kid can turn into a star. So, you know what? For all purposes, I'm going to go draft. I'm going to say draft him. All right. All right. Um, back note about Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony said some of the best corners that he played against was J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan. <laughs> Both guys that we like, Joshua. Yeah. Both guys, yes. So now, Mr. Charles Snowden III, let's talk about him. Coming out of Silver Spring, Maryland, 6'7", 240, 230 pounds. Um, it, well, from his freshman year to his senior year, He's definitely progressed. I mean, he would have racked up about 120, 121 tackles, um, about 30, 30-something sacks uh, total, um, about two interceptions. I mean, he knows how to get towards the ball. Great instincts. The thing the thing that's going to separate him is his handwork because, you know, like y'all guys said, he is undersized. But if he has quick, strong hands like an Aaron Donald, you know, he going he's going to throw a lot of tackles off balance because you know at the end of the day if a if a if you're a defensive end and you see how that that tackle is positioned you know what moves how to take them out of position and get to and get to the quarterback or uh set the edge because you know I did watch his highlights as well I love the way he set the edge and shout out to my uh the freshman defensive tackle Jamir Carter that was pretty much helping him out um He's going. He's going to be a stud in the NFL. And his father, uh, Farron Carter, is um, is Snowden's trainer as well. Uh, if you don't know about Farron Carter, Farron Carter got a lot of history. He actually um, was strength and the strength and conditioning coach for the Ravens back in the um, uh, in the nineties. So um, it's a lot. Of, it's a it's a lot of uh, you know relationship right up in there. So you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you know Snowden is working out with him. You know, but if if uh snowden bulks up you know work on his hand work on his hand speed you know work on his hand strength i can see him being a problem setting that edge man he's six and he's so lengthy i mean you have to do is box out and set the edge i don't need you to do i don't need you to be the spectacular player set the edge malik harrison or patrick queen is going to come up and and swallow up that uh running back or you know with him being six seven he can drop back Get the yeah. get, uh, put his hands up, hands get, up, yeah. you know. So it's so many different ways he can make himself a valuable asset on this Ravens team, especially playing with a Wink Martindale. The way we, oh, yeah. the way we throw so many schemes at different um teams. So you know, I'm definitely saying pass. I'm definitely, oh excuse me, not pass. I'm saying pass. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I didn't give him so much praise. We gotta bring him on. I really feel like he. he you know, he's one of those diamond in the roughs. Um, I think he played at the Senior Bowl. I don't know how he did, but, you know, just looking at him size-wise, looking at it, look, seeing that he can get from side to side, he know how to make good tackles. He's a for sure tackler. And that's what, you know, that's what we've been missing. A lot of guys always want to just throw their body at somebody and then they're going to knock, knock dudes out. It's not like that no more. The Ray Lewis days are gone. So <laughs> he's a for sure tackler, for sure. I, I definitely uh, – like to see him in 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 the in the purple and black. Yeah, that that would be a lot of fun. And you know, I I think we'll do one more player. Um, so then we don't take too long going over these guys. I think we'll do Brevin Jordan. Um, 
the other player that we were going to talk about was Landon Dickerson, but you know, he's a, he's a center. Um, the least, I mean, even though it's like <laughs> one of the most important positions for the Ravens to target, it's one of the least appealing positions to talk about. So let's talk about Brevin Jordan, um, a potential, I think he's a day two pick, um, you know, whether he goes late second, early third, even early second, um, is to be determined, um, you know, tight end out of Miami, bit undersized, but a very, very polished pass catcher. But do the Ravens need a tight end day two? Is that is that something that y'all are looking for? Because, um, you know, we, we do have the weapon Josh Oliver, my favorite tight end for the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens, um, coming over from Jacksonville, third-round pick out of San Jose State. But is Brevin Jordan, you know, great prospect, but, like, is it is it worth the value, you know, that type of pick at that level to draft him? Oh, man, honestly, for me, I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, you got to take a look back at, you know, what the Ravens did in the 2019 season with a lot of those three tight end sets, what, you know, that feature Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst and Nick Boyle as well. Uh, that was a great time for our offense. Lamar looked like he was his most comfortable uh, in passing situations when we were running a lot of those sets and concepts. So bringing in a guy like Brevin Jordan, 6'3", 245 pounds, uh, he's really good off the line of scrimmage when I was watching some of his tape and things like that. I feel like if you, you, know, you substitute him in for Mark Andrews or you get both of those guys on the field at the same time, you can really start to see some big play potential because he's got some great hands. He, you know, he's, he's got to work on some drops. He's got to work on some drops. I did see some of that. But I just think that the danger, the, the danger that he could threat, that he could pose to uh, defensive coordinators and opposing defense, they would have to respect that so much. And that would just open up even more opportunities, you know what I'm saying, like in our run game and stuff like that. Because if you have him lined up at the tight end position, you've got an extra linebacker in the um, – for the other team, they're going to be having to shadow that guy. They have to shadow that guy. Oh, yeah. So if that's the case, then that may open up more opportunities for J.K. Dobbins to burst through that second level. And, you know, I just think that tight ends are good for this Ravens offense in general. It's like a, it's like a fruits and vegetables sort of thing. It's healthy for us. You know what I mean? The more tight ends, the better. So I'm going to go ahead and say draft. All right. What are your thoughts, Joshua? Well, McConnell, I saw some things that you may actually like. Guess what the man was doing in his highlights? He was catching in traffic. And yes. he's actually holding on to the ball. Not only yeah. was he holding on to the ball, he was getting separation. Um, I think they, I think they put out, I think they did a bubble, a bubble screen to him, and he shows athleticism. Athleticism jumped over a couple guys. He doesn't mind taking those big hits. He doesn't mind putting his shoulder down and giving the big hit himself. So yeah. you know, we've been missing that with Mark Andrews. We we all know that you know when Mark when Mark usually is open, he's going to catch that ball. He's going to come down with it. But at the same time, if he's in traffic. Uh, it's like a 80 20. Um, <laughs> so bringing in a Brevin Jordan, I definitely feel like that would take a lot of pressure, not only off of Mark Andrews, it would take, it would take more pressure off of um, Lamar Jackson. Just like Izzy said, man, it would definitely open up the run game even more. So, yeah, if we don't plan on actually using wide receivers this year, <laughs> we'll go ahead and bring in another tight end. So I'm gonna say let's bring him on. I feel like he could be a possibly um, day two, uh, day three prospect. Even though Mel Kiper, I believe, have him listed as number four in his tight ends hmm. uh, list. So, hey, yeah, yeah. Man. number I mean, four. Wow, he, he also he also did go to uh, University of Miami. That's tight end you. You guys know, yeah. and the Ravens they're also good at developing tight ends as well. Whoa, Another whoa, thing that whoa, I saw whoa, from Reverend Joe. Oh, calling Miami tight end you as a Stanford football fan. I uh, I know Stanford. I, I, I Stanford's a close ha- second. I can't have it's a close it. You know, second. 
yeah, Austin <laughs> Hooper, uh, Levine Toilolo, Caden Smith. Yeah. Man, they, Zach Ertz. Um, yeah, God, Zach I gotta Ertz, respect yeah. Miami. Miami's good. Miami's good. But, but I got to say that Stanford um, is up there. But another thing I'll ask you is I, I'm 100% pro adding a tight end. Mm-hmm. But my favorite guy is an undrafted prospect, um, Samis Reyes, um, who, Joshua, I told you about him, um, uh, a basketball player out of Chile. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Six, but six, 260 pounds, ran four, six, did 30, 31 reps on the bench at the Florida Pro Day. Um, dude is a stud. Um, that's my guy who I want the Ravens to go get because, I mean, the Ravens can develop tight ends. But, you know, what you bring up with with the uh, Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst, uh, you know, Nick Boyle thing was, okay, Hayden Hurst, that was his second year in the NFL uh mark andrews that was his first year in the nfl nick boyle he's been there but like you know they can utilize those young tight ends um but i I will say i am also a huge believer in josh oliver because um he he does make those catches over the middle and he was a third round pick like two years ago he just went to has jacksonville ever had even a okay tight end in their history like like they, they picked up Julius Thomas, um, you know, out of Denver. So like, I, I just don't see Jacksonville as ever developing a, a tight end. So I think Josh Oliver actually could be a guy. And then we also have uh, Breland out of Oregon. Um, so I think that there are other guys at the tight end, but I, I'm, I'm pro adding a tight end to get the three tight end sets. Right. I'm just not a big fan. Well, let's, if, if we sign, you know, Justin Houston and we signed edge rushers and we fix all those holes, um, then I'm okay with it. But as of right now, I'm going to say pass, um, but let's get into this next segment because this one's this one's going to be a lot of fun, well, especially with the news that came out like yesterday with the Ravens bringing in edge rushers, um, Justin Houston coming in, and then you know them potentially bringing in other guys. Don't know exactly who, uh, but potential guys are you know Melvin Ingram, uh, Ryan Kerrigan, Clowney, um, Alden Smith, I think are all available. But Joshua, I'll ask you this first. If you're Eric DaCosta, what what is your next move? What what are you doing right now? Um, you know, you could be waiting. You could just you know sit in your chair and wait to hear calls. But like, what are you doing right now? What's your move right now? If I'm EDC, oh man, my next move. Um, honestly, it will be pretty much. I'll be calling every edge rusher available. Uh, me personally, I like Ryan Carrigan for the simple fact that he um he's still he's still productive. You don't require a lot. He comes. He reminds me of, of a Pernell McPhee. You know, a guy puts his head down, get the get the job done, knows what he do, coaches the young guys up, and you know, mm-hmm. everybody just feeds off his energy. Um, the what's his name? Dave, uh, Clowney. Yeah, I'm not even going. I'm not even about to hurt myself. I would like to bring bring Clowney in, but him and Alden Smith are almost the same person. Meaning high potential, but nutcases <laughs> um and you know Jadavion Clowney he brings in that type of you know he brings in that type of mentality as if he's still that you know that pro bowler type of guy like hey man you know what's practice I don't need to practice no dude I think you still need to practice you know I mean yeah he was one of the greatest defensive ends coming out of University of South Carolina but you know you your career was up and down so, and I do feel like you know with Justin Houston coming in on Tuesday I feel like we're gonna bring. I feel like he's gonna be in the purple and black. But my next move as EDC, um, 
since you know one of my buddies one of my buddies said it to me and you know he said sammy watkins came sammy watkins came in the office you know talking that good stuff or as you know wide receivers have to uh become more open run better routes and stuff like that i understand that i respect that uh I understand that you want to, you know, have uh, your off, your old offensive coordinators back. But at the same time, you're on a one-year deal, and, and Greg Roman, you're going to be on the same ticket with your boy Sammy this year. And I will be moving T. Martin to offensive coordinator. <laughs> For the simple fact that he has a great track record with developing uh, developing wide receivers. Um, he had a pretty good track record as an offensive coordinator. Also, he was a quarterback in college and led them to um the championship game back in the in the 90s so um i'll be putting a lot of pressure it's, if i'm an edc i'm putting a lot of pressure on these guys because it's it's been too many times where we are this contender team once we get into the playoffs what we doing either you know we didn't eat too much uh banana pudding or you know we beat one team and we don't make no adjustments so if I'm EDC, I'm pretty much putting it out there. Yes, I want you. I want to see my team win. But at the same time, you're in the hot seat. So what are you going to do to produce, to actually get us, you know, further to our goal, which is the Super Bowl? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think my first move, I'm going to say it right now, fire Greg Roman. However, that's, you know, I'm, I am all, I'm all out on Greg Roman. That's my, that's my, uh, my deal, yo. Um, but, you know, my more realistic move, because I think they've made it clear that they're not going to be firing Greg Roman, uh, would probably be to sign two edge rushers. Um, and I am not going to wait for the comp pick formula at May, May 3rd, I think it is, uh, May 1st, you know, first week of May, just for the simple fact that, they may be gone. Uh, the only guy that won't be gone is Jadavian Clowney because uh, he hates training camp and won't sign with the team most likely until training camp is you know over because he has no work ethic. <laughs> um, but I think I think you got You got to go out there and sign guys so then we can draft wide receivers. Um, that's that's my whole thing. Uh, the other thing, draft Simi Fehoko. That's my my ultimate ultimate goal. Um, if I could draft one guy, it's Simi Fehoko. But that's you know three weeks away. But I gotta I gotta sign me two edge rushers. I would want Justin Houston, and then I would want Alden Smith um, because Justin Houston would come in. He'd be the you know solid guy that you kind of know what you're going to get, and then Alden Smith would be like, okay, this guy could be good, um, but if he isn't good, you put him on a one-year deal. Justin Houston you get on a, a two-year deal or something like that, similar to what they extended Calais Campbell for would kind of be my ideal scenario. Um, so that's that's what I would do if I was EDC, um, and, I, and they told me, no, you can't. You know, maybe Steve tells me, you know, no, no firing um, Greg Roman. He's just too good to fire. And I'd, I'd be all disappointed, but okay. I'll, I'll sign some edge rushers instead. <laughs> okay. I mean, for me, I guess, I mean, I, I do agree with you there. Like fire Greg Roman. I think that that's something that it just needs to get done. And I say it all the time on uh, me and Alex's show. Listen, Greg Roman's going to be on a very, very short leash come this season. Um, I give it about four games. If four games goes by and the offense is looking just as predictable, if not even more predictable than uh, last season, then some something's got to give. You know, something's got to give. There's no reason why uh, it should be third and 
three or third and four in a playoff game, in a divisional playoff game, and the entire stadium knows exactly what the Ravens are about to do. Oh, Lamar Jackson's going to try to run and get this first down. Everybody knows that. Where's their creativity? You know what I mean? So if we don't see any more of that coming up this season, I feel like Greg Roman, he might be gone before we really expect him to be. A lot of us expect Greg Roman to get one more year, one more solid year. Uh, but I think that he could be gone sooner than later. Uh, but I, th- I don't in terms of what I think we should do next. I definitely think that we should go edge rusher. Go ahead and sign Justin Houston. Like you said, Josh, I think uh, we'll probably see him in the purple and black sooner than later. Uh, and that would be great. That'd be awesome. Uh, now, I don't agree with signing Alden Smith as well. I think that we should sign Justin Houston and then draft another edge rusher. That way you got a veteran, then you got a young guy. So a guy with potential and then a guy to lead that guy. You know what I mean? So uh, that's the way that I would do it. I, w- I would sign Justin Houston and then draft uh, edge and then receiver in the draft as well. Those are my next moves. So, okay, so I'll, I'll ask you kind of a follow-up question on that. So sure. you, let's say we sign Justin Houston. Uh, yeah. We've got him, boom, we're picking at 27. I know you like Terrence Marshall Jr. He's available. Yeah. Uh, but then so is every edge rusher in the draft. Um, Rousseau, Aziz Ojulari, um, Quiddy Paye, um, Jalen Phillips, that's most of them. Um, they're all available. Are you going wide receiver first and then taking an edge rusher later, or are you getting that second edge rusher as soon as possible? Oh, man. That's a good question. Am I going wide receiver first? I'm probably going to have to go ahead and take Terrace Marshall. If he's available at 27, I feel like he's that type of player who can immediately move the needle for your passing game, Uh, especially for us as well. So if Terrace Marshall is there, I'm definitely taking him. Um, those edge rushers, this, this, it, listen, the draft is actually pretty deep with edge, edge guys this year, yeah. as it is with uh, wide receivers as well. But in terms of like actual immediate impact wide receivers, those ones are, you know, few and far between. And that's how it always is. Um, so I would definitely get Terrace Marshall if he is available at 27 and then just draft edge later in the uh, second round. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm OK with that. I, I'm definitely OK with that. I think just addressing the wide receiver position is a need. Um, but I, I just like the Alden Smith just for the, the idea that um, depending on the deal, like I'm not going to sign him for like $7 million. I'd send him for like two, um, like a, like a veteran minimum um, just because then I could just have more comfort in the idea that we would have two edge rushers because like, I, I really like Gregory Rousseau as a prospect, but the problem is he won't have any production his first year because he has yeah. zero pass rush moves and he's just just running around um, and he's never played the position before. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, drafting those guys that, that, you know, the later round picks, they won't have an immediate impact, but they could learn and develop underneath. But I'm, I'm right. all in on wide receiver in the first round as long as we sign an edge rusher first. Um, well, uh, as long as it's not Tony. Um, you know, I'm okay with Bateman and, and Terrence Marshall Jr. Well, as long as it's also not one of those guys that's like five nine, um, you know, six foot and up. Yeah, um, young guy from computer. Yeah, not him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not that. But I, I like that. I like that. I think I, I think that would would definitely work for the Ravens to go Justin Houston and then, you know, depending on where how the draft lays out, whether or not we have an extra first round pick. But I'll ask one more question. Um, this is gonna be a, a pretty quick answer. Are you trading Orlando Brown Jr. before the before the draft? Uh, oh yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely want to go ahead and get that done sooner than later. At this point, 
it's like we're kind of I'm holding on to hope that maybe just maybe we may be able to keep Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, on the Ravens for this upcoming season because, you know, him if with him on the offensive line, that means we're going to be way better. We're going to be way better. More protection for Lamar Jackson, the better. Uh, but I don't see that happening. He said what he said in the beginning of the offseason. He wants to play left tackle. Uh, that deal hasn't been done yet, but I've heard there's been rumors, of course, that we've been in talks with the Bears, the uh, the Colts, and I believe the Chargers as well uh, in trading Orlando Brown. So if those are if the, if the assets on all three of those teams are at stake or possibilities to bring to Baltimore, then, hey, I'm all for it. Let's get that deal done before the draft and then we can draft with a clear head and clear mindset. So. All right. Joshua, you're in the same boat for for trading him as soon as possible? I'm in the same boat. But let me reverse this question. Yeah. Who would you rather keep? Ronnie or Orlando? Because both of them them are valuable to trade. The only thing is, Ronnie has a big contract. Yeah. I I mean, you can get, I mean, with OBJ, you get the best of both worlds. You can put him on the left, you can put him on the right. Out of nowhere, I'm not going. Out of nowhere, you know, Ronnie get the big contract. Boom, yeah, on for the season. You know, I, I know, I'm hoping he's ready for about time. You know, OTAs, but which 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 I actually been hearing that him and Tavon Young are looking are looking um are scheduled to actually be ready by OTAs. Okay. So I mean, you know, with that good news and with that promising news, um. I'm definitely, I'm definitely looking forward to having those guys back. But yeah, I mean, I definitely would, I def, I definitely will make the deal with uh, Orlando Brown Jr. Um, it's yeah. just, I don't, I, I'm, I'm hoping teams are not asking for us to throw a pick or a player with Orlando Brown. This young man hasn't even touched 25 yet, and he's a pro bowler not only on the right but also on the left side, and he hasn't even entered his prime. So, uh, excuse me for being selfish. But you're not getting nothing else but Orlando Brown Jr. And y'all, yeah. <laughs> y'all, y'all, and depending on the organization, y'all need him more than we need him. because we can find we can find some guys to plug in. I will yeah. I will say that about the Ravens. You know, when it comes to offensive line, we can plug in a player here, and depending on and depending on the, on the defensive side of the ball, we, we can always find a diamond in the rough. You know, as far as that front seven to come out and play yeah. for us. So I definitely will, I would definitely uh. Uh, strike strike the match on that uh, deal, especially the one that sounds the most appealing when it comes to uh, Orlando Brown Jr. Yeah, definitely. I, 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 for me personally, my Orlando Brown Jr. deal is actually a midseason deal um, and draft a right tackle in the draft to have him develop underneath Orlando Brown Jr. Um, and then sub him in after like week four and then trade him. But I mean, as long as we get the trade done, I think it has to be done um, because I, I just can't see to let him walk and lose out on like a potential first round pick like heck the chargers are sitting at 13 i think the colts are at 21 or 20 those are some good players that the ravens could be getting with those picks but let's get into the final segment um this one's going to be a bit unique uh we i don't we've never done anything like this on the youtube channel so this is just going to be kind of a fun discussion um we haven't really talked about who our our players are but this is just going to be us talking about the most underrated ravens um in baltimore history and i will say i'm definitely the youngest out of all of us um so (laughs) i I don't think it's going to reflect in my answers but um you know you guys may bring up people and i'll be like 
I don't know who that is, uh, but that'll show how underrated they are. So hopefully, I'm assuming that will no. But does anybody have a player that they want to they want to throw their their hat into the ring for uh, for underrated players? Um, I'll go ahead. Me, um, I'm a run, I'm a I'm a running back fullback guy. Some of my most underrated guys. Laura McLean. Oh, I knew Ovi. it. I knew you were about to say him. Ovi McHaney. <laughs> oh, my big nasties in the back with my glorified guards. And my glorified guard in Laura McLean, man, listen, I think it was there with Willis McGahee. Correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, when Willis was out and he ran that ball like a regular running back, man, hey, I loved it. He, he just brought he, – he was such a dynamic style of fullback as well. Then you had an Ovi Mahaley as well, man. Listen, before Vaughn Leash, that was Ovi. <laughs> and Ovi <laughs> was a dog. Ovi would dog you down. He will he will wear you out. He's the type of guy that, you know, you as a linebacker, you hate lining up against them. You know, when I played when I played football back in high school, I used to tell linebackers, where are we going? What's the snap count? And what we run I I say, hit me, put me on my behind. Get to my running back. My running back busting up twenty yards. So you know, them guys. I love. I love watching them guys because that's who I model my game after. So those are some of my underrated players. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that the uh, the Dallas Cowboys won't be underrating McLean. Um, <laughs> all those fans they they see him. They see him up there, <laughs> but definitely not a name that gets thrown out there. Um, you know, when we're talking about Ravens, um, you know. I mean, only about five guys ever really get brought up when you talk about Ravens. It's Ray Lewis, it's Ed Reed, it's Suggs. I mean, it's Flacco, and and that's pretty much it for the guys that get brought up. But there's a ton of guys that that yeah. are yeah. you know play pivotal roles in, in either the Super Bowl. So, is there anybody else? Any any other uh, you know fun names to bring up? Man, I mean, you said you said Joe Flacco. Some people you could argue that he's underrated. In terms of like uh, his 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 prowess as like a raven, you know, yeah. or his stature rather, I, I think that Joe Flacco. We really got to take a look back at exactly what he did. You know, he had one of the greatest postseason runs of all time, and that's something that really does not get talked about enough. I know now Joe Flacco, he's a journeyman, he's bouncing across the league and things like that. But he in that 2012 playoffs. 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. He outdueled Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and a surging Colin Kaepernick and San Francisco 49ers offense to win that Super Bowl. That was one of is like I said, it's one of the greatest postseason performances of all time. People don't talk about it enough, and for that reason, I think that Joe Flacco could very well also be in this underrated uh, conversation in this discussion. Do you guys agree with that? Definitely, and and I think. One of, I mean, just the impact that he had on the offense, I think that just gets completely overlooked because people will look back at those Ravens teams and yeah. they'll say, okay, it was Ray Lewis, it was, the, it was Terrell Suggs, it was that defense, and then it was Ray Rice. You know, yeah. they didn't need Flacco. The Baltimore Ravens, back with Joe Flacco, had maybe one of the best deep threat offenses in the NFL. I mean, yeah. that was a ground and pound, then let Flacco unleash the football you know, on second and three all day long to, you know, Torrey Smith to they started throwing it up for Anquan Bolden, Marlon Brown. I mean, you know, Joe Flacco would just unleash that ball. And he had one of the strongest. I mean, he's probably in the top 10 and strongest arms the NFL has ever seen. 
yeah. I mean, and he never got credit for it because you know a lot of times she'd make a lot of stupid decisions like, like you know, it's it's fourth and twenty nine. Let me just throw a quick little check down. Um, right. You yeah. know that one worked out, but then I'll never forget um, the game, the Tyler Boyd game against Cincinnati, uh, because Tyler Boyd scored with like you know a minute and twenty oh, seconds man. left. He threw Joe Flacco, I think, on fourth down, threw a check down to Ben Watson with no timeouts in that game on like the own twenty five yard line with forty seconds left, and I was like. Come on, Joe. You you got to throw that ball deep. <laughs> but like, you know, he he was a master of the deep ball, and that was something that he gets completely overlooked because Torrey Smith, Torrey Smith was a weapon. You know, you watch those that game against Denver in the playoffs, and you realize, you know, he was launching that football to Torrey Smith down the field, and and they were making great catches, but. You know, we don't see the deep ball with with Lamar Jackson as much as, as you know, as Greg Roman as well. Um, but you know, that's just not in the offense that we have anymore. That's something that's completely underrated from his game was how much he helped that Ravens offense. Because if they had Alex Smith or they had uh, one of those guys that just likes to you know be a, a controlled quarterback, it wouldn't have worked. You know, they would have they would have lost. They, there's no way they're beating Denver. There's no way they're beating the Patriots. So Joe Flacco definitely on the underrated list. I mean, overall by media as well, but like, you know, specifically by Ravens fans too. Yeah. I think definitely. In two thousand eight, who would have thought a quarterback from Boston College and a quarterback from University of Delaware would be some of the highest rated profile quarterbacks going into that draft? <laughs> <laughs> No I mean, way. that those two were the future of the NFL. That's how they saw it. Um, but hey, the 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 guy, the 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 elitist, the one, the the underrated one is the one that brought home the Super Bowl. So I mean, yeah. definitely, um, as Ravens fans, we definitely got to give Joe Flacco his respect. Um, you know, he played some good ball here, and honestly, I'll say this: one thing about the whole Joe Flacco era, they actually got offensive coordinators that worked to his uh, style of play. Shout out to Gary mm-hmm. Kubiak and getting Morty Mark and what is it, Morty Martinheimer out of there? I mean, we Marty also had Martin Cam Wade. Cameron. We had a, we had plenty yeah. of guys that, that got up and left. <laughs> yeah. I wish they I wish they take notes. I wish they would take notes from that era and do the same for Lamar. But hey, that's another that's another that's another top. But <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Who's another? Who's another underrated guy? Will Demps at safety. Yeah, Will Demps. You could say for a lot of that that 2012 run sparked by guys like Jacoby Jones. Jacoby yep. Jones was good for us. Uh, Jacoby Jones is honestly what I wish Devin Duvernay would turn into or become for the Ravens. Uh, that'd be pretty cool. Just yeah. as I thought. Oh, yeah. Also, um, Justin Tucker. Listen, man, he's yeah. somebody leads the franchise in points like that can't, you know, be talked about enough. I just got done, you know, having a, a blast from the past, the 2013 kick against the, the Detroit Lions, the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah, yeah that was 62 yarded the kick heard around the world. He was a beast. He was a monster. He's still really good. He's still really good. I got my issues with him here and there, you know, uh, but he's still one of the, probably the most underrated Ravens of all time. I completely agree. I had him on my list. I had two players. He was one of them on it because I I watch other football games and I watch other people play. I watch college and they get into these situations. They're they're at like the 40-yard line and they're like, we got to get seven yards to be able to kick a field goal. I'm sitting yeah. there and I'm like, 
What do you mean? You're in field goal range, and they and you know they go for they go for thirty eight yard kicks and they miss and they miss extra points and it's like that like you just we take it so much for granted we how do. good spoiled. he is how automatic he is I mean there was the the TikTok or whatever that came out um, and it was like you know Justin Tucker trots on for the game winning field goal and he's like hey man you want a beer. And then he's like, what do you mean? It's a 57-yard field goal. Like, yeah, no, don't worry. He's got this. And then he makes oh, yeah, it. And yeah. I think two weeks later, he, he beat the Browns with a 55-yard field goal uh, on Monday Night Football. But, like, other teams don't have that. <laughs> like, right. like, they miss those kicks consistently. But Tucker, like, every time he walks out onto that field, unless Joe Buck is saying something like, I'm going to say it right now, he's not going to miss, um, he makes that kick. So <laughs> that is underrated because, you know, you know, I'm not trying to watch Billy Cundiff make a make a crucial oh, kick in a playoff game ever again. I'm I'm done with that. No. I'm done with that. Pain, the worst pain I've ever felt. <laughs> you, you know, you know who's underrated. I'm I'm a, I'm I'm a shifted. Yeah, Matt Burke and Ryan Jensen. The reason I stay hey, with these yeah. two guys because it shows that we actually miss. <laughs> right, a true a solid center. center. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Burke, smartest guy on the field, you know, he was just he, he he was a he was a good he was a good center man. He helped everybody out. He pointed and he knew, you know, where we where everyone needed to go. He took a lot of pressure off of Joe Flacco. He didn't have to make no uh no calls. Matt Burke was taking care of that with with his guys up top. Then you had Ron Jensen, a nasty mauler, someone you know that a quarterback trusted for his. Look, this is my quarterback. I'm gonna protect you. Y'all remember that game when we played against Miami, and uh, he went at the Alonzo. <laughs> Alonzo found out who Ryan Jensen was after he hit Flacco. If my center don't have my back, I don't want him. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather have him be able to snap the ball properly to my quarterback, but being able to have my back is is a good second uh, on that list. So I think those are definitely two guys that you know because you talk offensive line. Um, you know, a couple guys get brought up. Ogden, um, obviously Yonda. Right. That's the main guys. But, you know, those guys were, were pivotal pieces uh, for the Ravens. And honestly, you know, when they were trying to contend. So that, that, those are definitely two good guys to bring up. Uh, one guy I'll add in, um, secondary member, because, you know, you talk Ravens secondary, early 2000s. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, you just talk Ravens secondary in general. A couple names get brought up. Obviously, Ed Reed. Um, is the big one. But then, you know, you look at early 2000s and people may say, oh, yeah, Rod Woodson, Deion Sanders, Chris McAllister, um, you know, number 10 pick in the draft. Stud, absolute stud um, for the Ravens and just isn't talked about whatsoever unless somebody's making like an underrated list or something like that because (laughs) he he was very, very good. He locked that down. That Chris McAllister, Gary Baxter uh, tandem, man. Ain't nobody was getting getting nothing past them. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Chris McAllister, he was kind of like the uh, probably like our first lockdown corner like yep. in franchise history. Um, but yeah, I mean Chris McAllister, he's a great one. Uh, somebody who's just Mister Consistent again. Sam Cook. A lot of people take punters, good punters for granted. Like Sam yeah. Cook has been good for the Ravens yeah. for years. He's one real quick. Of course, he's not the most popular pick, uh, but yeah, Sam Cook. I would say him. Of course, we have um, receivers from back in the day. Derek Mason was really good for us for a while. Um, Steve Smith, Steve Smith Senior 
for his tenure and his tenure in Baltimore, he was really good for us too. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Ravens have had a lot of like pretty good players that go unrecognized. Um, yeah, by the media. I mean, like really, the Ravens never had media attention um, until yeah. Lamar Jackson came to Baltimore. So right. like. You know, now I, I feel like, you know, as we go farther into the future, people are going to look back at the Ravens offense and they'll be able to name every player um, because we were all complaining about them not getting, um, you know, snaps or whatever. But, you know, you look back at those old teams, like you look back at the Joe Flacco teams, you can name half the players on the roster. And like most fans would be like, who? Like even <laughs> even if you brought up a, a Haloti Nada or something like that, people would be like, oh, yeah, you know, he was okay. It's like, no, that he was very good for us. <laughs> he was very good for us. <laughs> And people forget about our outside lab. Our outside. That was Doomerville. I, I got to throw his name out there. That him. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go way back. I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take it back. Peter. Peter Bowler. Bowler. Yeah. Ad. Adelius Thomas. Those. Those were some solid guys. Like Adelius Thomas. I, I, I always remember he had the mark. Right. He got. He got the scar on his forehead. And I forgot what how he said they how he said how they said he got it, but. He was always a mean-looking dude, but he was a quiet guy. And you know, you have to watch out for those quiet guys on defense. And you know, with him being the quiet guy, he got the job done. Peter Bowen, I believe he was a he was a scoop and score master for us because he was always around the ball. But him and Ray Lewis was always flying to the ball. So man, man, it's so it's so many different guys we can call up. Sam Adams, Tony Saragusa. Um, at the Saragusa, Kelly Gray in, in the middle of the uh, defense. That was another one that really, you know, stopped the run, man. Then you next thing you know, it was Haloti Nada's era. So yeah. it was so, so many different pieces like Edwin Mulatalo, Ben Grubbs, you know, man, Kalichi Osimini. We have produced so many good guys in that, in, in that box, man. Yeah, um, absolutely. Also, I will say, we didn't bring up a single tight end. Um, we got a ton of them, uh, all underrated. But I feel like that's pretty good, um, unless there's, like, one person that we just didn't bring up. Hopefully I didn't. Comment down below, anybody, if we just, like, blatantly miss somebody. Uh, somebody's going to say Quadru Ishmael or Dwayne Starks, probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, you know, Matt Skura. Um, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah not not anymore uh but you know thank you everybody for listening to the podcast spring much gonna go wrap it up make sure to go check out the purple rain podcast um you know on youtube link down below in this description go subscribe to that and go check out the live streams they're a lot of fun thanks for having me on guys i really appreciate you know you guys taking the time to bring me on here and say my piece about the ravens and i hope to be back for sure oh definitely that was a lot of fun Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, check out the, the podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter. Um, and see all of you uh, later for a podcast episode. But I'll see all of you again uh, tomorrow for a, I don't know what I'll talk about, but a video. Yay. <laughs>